Welcome to the Tool Shed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From the MLB draft all the way to the show, we're here to help give you the edge in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Welcome into episode 181 of the Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, bud? Not too much. Uh, glad to be back. It feels good to be a regular on the microphone again after that week off. But sure it does. Good, good episode to begin the week with Joe Doyle, talking college baseball, top draft players. So that was fun. And now we're going to go back to some dynasty and some some relevant topics if you are having a dynasty draft come up or you're in one now. So it's uh, it's definitely draft season. Feels like it's in full swing. And yep. baseball is right on the corner. 65 degrees here today, and it just felt like baseball weather. Oh, good good for you. It wasn't didn't <laughs> feel like it up here. It's, well, at least it's not negative 15 with a negative 40 wind chill anymore, mm-hmm. but it's still like 20 degrees here. It's not great. But uh, yeah, pitchers and catchers reporting and just right around a week's time, depending on which team it is. So. It's definitely exciting, and yeah, it absolutely is draft season. I get a lot of people tweeting at me, you know, on the Twitter sphere, like, "Hey, I, I'm in a dynasty startup draft right now." So I think this topic uh, will be definitely relevant and pertinent to a lot of people, and just just fun discussion in general. Even if you're not in a startup draft right now, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And we'll actually do two episodes discussing the recent dynasty ADP mocks that Chris put on for his Discord and. If you want to check out the, all the full ADP, you can go check out his Discord over at the Dynasty Dugout. So check that out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We'll do today, pitchers later on in the week in our third episode. We told you we were going to hammer up some episodes now, and that's what we're going to do. So we're doing, probably going to do three per week at least through opening day, and then we'll see if we're two or three in the season. We're still kind of figuring that out. But a lot of stuff to get to, so let's get right to it. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at EricCross04. And our show is at ToolshedPod. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's subject for more work from him. Like I said, the Dynasty EDP is there. we got our, our prospect and Dynasty rankings there. A lot of other fun stuff as well. So go check out both of those. We appreciate the support. And before we get into the show, we want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you set up using the promo code ToolShed, You'll receive a 100% deposit match up to $100, and that can be used on any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB best balls, individual player pickums across all sports, and so much more. Set up today using the code toolshed at play.underdogfantasy.com slash the letter P dash the dash toolshed. All right, I'll throw it over to my esteemed co-host here to give you all the details of what was all the specifics on the mock drafts. All right, so... Basically, the idea was that there's no Dynasty ADP anywhere. We have ADP for about everything except Dynasty. So I decided it was time to create a Dynasty ADP system. We did this last year kind of on a smaller scale, but this year it kind of grew even bigger. 15-team leagues, 30 rounds, mixed drafts of industry writers and just Dynasty fanatics themselves. A lot of good drafters. And it was a really good experiment. So 14 mock drafts comprised this. You know, some flew. Eric's league went really, really fast. Some leagues went, went kind of slow, but it's okay because everybody did well. I appreciate everybody that took a part in this. 
because mocks can kind of drag at some point. So I just want to say thank you. But anyway, so the idea was that this would help create an ADP system to see where the overall public values players in a dynasty league. So in like in extra to the 14 mocks, I've also added four dynasty startups that actually took place from within the Substack. There was a we started a big dynasty league, 56 teams, but there's 14 teams per division within it. So there's 18 drafts that are in this right now, and I plan to keep adding to it. But basically, the Dynasty ADP sheet has the player, all the players' info, their ADP. You can see their min-max pick, how many of the 18 drafts they were taken in. And then you can see in every individual league like where each player went. So I did get I've got asked questions like, why did you do this scoring setup? The scoring setup was a standard 5x5, five five, except OBP instead of average. And then on the pitching side, no wins, but it quality starts and then saves holds instead of saves. So why is that? In a general standpoint, I do think that most dynasty leagues are going to OBP. I would dare say that 90% of dynasty leagues I'm in are OBP. And I would say that the consensus of dynasty leagues that are started today are actually OBP instead of batting average, if they're categories. And then on the saves hold side, that's also seems to become a thing in Dynasty just because RP volatility, you know, it's saves are good in the right context, but Dynasty, like, they're not always that way. I think I've actually come to learn that my preference is to do, like, saves and then holds, like, times half. So basically, like, half a point for a hold, one, one for a save. So you still has good value for closers. But in general, saves holds just made it easy for this, this draft and, or the drafts in general. And then quality starts, like we tend to push pitchers up when we think about wins. So like pitchers get pushed up their own good teams if they can get a lot of wins. But I think that doesn't do a good job of showing the overall value of a pitcher, which a quality start does more. So I felt like this was the best scoring system to help evaluate like how we actually valued players in dynasty leagues. And of course, there's hitters that get pushed up with OBP. The RP get pushed down a bit with saves holds. And quality starts really should just, you know, it should be pretty similar to how most people value pitchers. So that's the scoring setup. Like I said, 15 team leagues, 30 rounds. You did fill out a roster and you had an eight man bench. So pretty generic. The only difference in like a, a difference in a roto scoring league is that it was just one catcher instead of two because two catchers is a nightmare. And in Dynasty, <laughs> you don't want two catchers. So one catcher league. That's true. So some of the catchers did get pushed down. Like you'll see the bottom tier of starting catchers that are pushed down a bit. But overall, I would say that it really did its job. And right now, I think in, so the mock drafts went 450 deep, you know, 15 team, 30 rounds. There was about 575 unique players that were drafted within the mocks. And then once I added these other dynasty leagues that are going on, we got a little deeper. So right now, I actually have 750 players on the sheet. And so obviously, if we're not going to go that deep. We'd be here all night. But tonight, we're going to focus on the hitters and talk about you know some hitters with a lot of volatility, hitters that may have surprised us, the top hitters, etc. So just kind of looking at ADP, looking at how they're valued in Dynasty Leagues, and then our thoughts on it. So I think it'll be helpful. I hope this sheet is helpful to everybody out there. The top 50, if you want to see, it's actually free. So anybody can access the top 50 which is also helpful in a way. But if you want the full sheet, it's for paid subscribers. And you know, I definitely appreciate your support. If you do that, thank you to everyone supported so far. And thank you to everyone who 
has been a part of the mocks. So enough ranting. Let's break it down. Now, I want to break down the final 10 and break down Garrett Cooper and, you know, Glader Figueroa and <laughs> Kanan Smith and Jigba and Seth Lugo. Let's, let's just break down the, like, the back 10. <laughs> but funny enough, at 733, Steven Strasburg. That's just, Oof. It, was, it was funny to see like, all these other like random, it's like, you know, lower level prospects and like some guys like Garrett Cooper does like still kind of uh, are just there. Then it was like, oh, Steven it kind of stuck out a bit there. <laughs> and Nick Madrigal's down there too. Ooh, wow. so yeah. Interesting mix of characters at the, the back end, but no, we, we won't discuss the, the back end of this. Obviously, we're going to discuss names you guys all want to hear. We're going to start at the top here. Again, we're doing hitters in this episode. Pitchers will be out next episode, which I believe will be out on Saturday, I think. Maybe, maybe Friday, probably Saturday. We'll see. But it's definitely this week. All right, at the top here, so taking pictures out of it. Number one overall, ADP 1.8, Julio Rodriguez. Ronald Acuna Jr., number two, Juan Soto, three. Shohei Otani, four. I mean, we talk about him both episodes, I guess. But he went four here. And you know, with Chris, you said you were saying that the four dynasty, the startups you added in were a little bit different, right? Yeah, so there's actually a rule on fan tracks that the uh, is called the Otani rule, like literally, which means that he can accumulate stats for both hitting and pitching on the same day and not take up an extra lineup spot. So that rule was actually in effect for those four dynasty startups and not the mocks. So in the mocks, which are in both uh, both leagues are weekly. So the mocks were a weekly lineup setting. I forgot to mention that earlier. So that is a weekly setting. In daily, I'd assume Otani would go one, but. They're all weekly lineups. The difference is in those final four drafts that were actual startups, the Otani rule means that he gets both stats on the same day, which basically pushed him to one. So he went one in three of those four and second in the other. And the highest he went in one of the mocks was three. And he went as low as 13 in the mocks. So that's a little discrepancy there for those four. But overall, I think it's still like Otani ended up with an ADP of six, 6.17, which I think is probably pretty accurate like if you're starting yeah. up a dynasty of where he'd go so yeah no that, that's pretty fair i don't know how he fell to 13 he fell to where was he in mind uh, he went third in mind uh, yeah i don't know how he fell to 14 that's very interesting in that one but yeah so j-rod acuna soto otani and then right after him was jordan alvarez fernando tatis jr they're both in like the 6.6 6.7 range kyle tucker aaron judge Jose Ramirez and Trey Turner round out the top 10. Turner had an ADP of 8.11. So after the top three, you all had a pretty sizable cluster all within an average ADP of about two picks apart, going from Otani at four, a fourth ranked 6.17 ADP, down to Trey Turner, 10th ranked 8.11 ADP. So for the most part, so, so we'll look at the all 18 here. So in how many? One, two, so minus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So 10 of them, J-Rod went one. And the ones he didn't go one, Acuna went first in two of them. Let's see here. The other one, Otani obviously went first in three of the four that Chris just mentioned. And I think that's it. So, Judge and Joe Ram went one. Oh, uh, there we go. That's I was asking. I missed a couple here. Yeah, Judge went first in one and joe ram went first in two joe ram had a pretty interesting range one to 13 depending on he went in he went sixth in mine but so yes did that surprise you that kind of that blend of number one overalls were were, were you surprised at soto 
I know you talked about, you know, Soto from a fantasy perspective, but given that it was OBP, I'm at least a little surprised that he didn't go first in at least one league. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly you know reason to think that he should go. He went two in a league. He yep. went ninth in my league. Samada got that's, him at nine, which is that's insane. Not, yeah, that's crazy to me. Like in OBP, like you know, you can everybody can kind of crap on me if they want for having him pass number ten for average, but OBP still top five easily. Yep, and. Agreed. I think the the general consensus was there. I mean, he went on the average pick of 4.67. Like I said, down at nine, though, is great value. He went eight in another league, seven. Like, if you can get him there, like, that's just buying the dip, and that's really, really good value because the floor's so high. Like, even if he doesn't produce, like, elite counting stats, it doesn't matter because he's, like, a lock for, like, a 430 OBP. I know, right? And you get 30 home runs and, like, five to ten steals which is completely like valuable. I mean, the OBP floor just starts you out so high and you don't get that with all the players in the first round. Like, yeah, a lot of them have higher OBPs, but that is kind of a differential here with batting averages. Like a lot of the first round caliber guys have good batting average, but not a lot. I'll say not a lot of them, but some of them just don't have the OBP floor. Like Kyle Tucker, like I love Kyle Tucker, but he definitely plays down a bit in OBP. Just doesn't have that, those elite walk rates. So, it's interesting, and I think that just from a general standpoint, like the value on Soto here is just kind of wild. Not surprising, but at the same time, like if you, he's falling past five in your dynasty startup, like you should be taking him all day long. Oh, absolutely. And obviously, everyone knows I've always been a big Soto guy, and I think he's been for a big year. You know, I think going cross country, going from a team that was out of it to a team, and even though he's been in playoff hunts, obviously winning a World Series back in 2019 with the Nats. But I'm just waiting to say, all right, first full year, he's got crazy, crazy protection in that lineup. I still want to see how they kind of slot the all the big names there. But you got to figure, he's, I'm going to guess he's hitting second. He's going to have, you know, some combination of Machado, Tatis, and Bogarts behind him. That's just insane protection. So he'll get more pitches to hit. I think you could see just a huge, huge year from him. So, yeah, average. I still have him top 10 in average. And, uh, yeah, OBP, he's no doubt top five. Absolute no questions about it. I I think still top three. I think I'd still have probably J-Rod and Acuna. But right after that, I think you can put him third there. So, I have no issues taking him there. Like The metrics are still very good last year. Obviously, he's just way too passive. But, hey, even in his work... This might have been the worst year we see from Soto in his career. I think that's that's fair to say. And he still had a 401 OBP last year. Like it's so career 424 OBP, and he's still only 24 years old. It's like I put out a tweet the other day that I had, I think it was around 15 percent of my top 400 prospect rankings were older than Juan Soto, which is just crazy <laughs> to wild. think about. You know, like like the Cade Marlowe, even like Josh Young is 25, Cade Marlowe. James Outman, you know, Ryan Pepio, guys like that are all like 24 and a half, 25 years old. So this is crazy to think about. He's still only 24 years old. But Cunha and J-Rod going 1-2, that didn't surprise me at all. Average OBP, I think that's what you're going to see, at least this year, from them at the top. I'm, gl- I'm glad to see Jordan went 5. I, w- I want to see how high he pushed up. Looks like his, his range was, he went 3 in one draft, and his max was 10. Tatis, 2-11 to 11 range there. Not overly surprising given the fact that obviously he could be number one. And obviously there's the struggles of he hasn't been on sale on the field been injured. He's been you know, all the other stuff going on with him. So I, I think Tatis could have a big year as well. But 
were there any surprises to you in this top 10 at all, whether it be somebody that wasn't in the top 10 that you thought might be or someone that went higher or lower or anything like that? I mean, it kind of ranged just all over the board. Like Tucker, 4 to 11, Judge, 1 to 13, Ramirez, 1 to 13, Turner, 2 to 13. Like, in a general sense, I do think that this is pretty much how I would have it for OBP. I think Tatis is like the hardest one to rank, though, because yeah, we don't know. I mean, he could come back and go 40-30, even missing time with the suspension. But also, like, the injuries have just, like, that's concerning. And I don't know. Like, we're, we're just not sure which Tatis or who we're going to get coming back. Hopefully, it's the Tatis that we all expect. So it doesn't surprise me to see a wide valuation of his range. But in general, I still think he's... You're right around that. But that top six is like pretty chalk for me. And yeah, Yoron is up there, which I think is great. And I love to see that. But Tatis could easily vault himself to number one. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he comes back healthy. Like next offseason, we could have number one in the dynasty rankings. And oh, yeah, it wouldn't sure. be a bit of surprise. So that's a high possibility. And who knows it? We'll see what happens there and how he returns. <clears throat> but no, I'm not overly surprised by anything in the top 10. The 11th player who still has a top 10 ADP is Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's another hard one to evaluate, I think. But I don't know. I mean, still a top 10 ADP, which I think is definitely fair. Young, we've seen the upside. He hit 48 home runs, hit for a high average. Like, he's just hard because he hits the ball on the ground so much. Like, that that matters. So, yeah. which Vlad will we get next year? I mean, the fences are coming in a bit, so he may go back to being that 48 home run guy again and it wouldn't surprise me a bit so yeah i'm not overly shocked by anything really in the first round if it were an average league like i've got tucker higher but i think him having an adp of seven and a half is is fair for an obp standpoint and judge also like judge judge even if he regresses i think still could return like value to be the best player in baseball but we know that injuries have happened massive contract you know I don't know. Like, to me, Judge is also a hard one to evaluate for Dynasty One because of the age. And I think that's something else that matters here, too, is when we look at age, you can see the difference in like a redraft ADP versus this is like there's just the ages factor against guys over 30. Like, yep. so you go down the list and we've got you know, Julio, Acuna, Soto, like they're all young. I think Acuna would be the oldest there at 20, he just turned 25. Then you have Otani, who's 28, I think. I think so, yeah. Alvarez is 26, Tatis 24, Tucker's 25, 25, and then you go to Judge and Ramirez who are both over 30. So those become the harder ones to value because when you get over 30, everybody's like, oh, your dynasty value is gone. But in reality, I do think it creates some buying opportunities there. No, for sure. Especially if you're a team that wants to like win right off the bat, these guys do fall a little bit because I think. Average or OBP, like I think those top seven are the top seven because they're the ones that have the age on their side. Then you get back into the top ten, you get the quote unquote older guys, the late twenties guys or early thirty like judge at thirty. You know Joe Ram, Trey Turner, I think is twenty eight or twenty nine. So uh, yeah, not not really surprised by that. You know I think if it was average, you see Bobby Witt Jr. pop up into the top ten. Like I have him top ten for average, but obviously you know doesn't have the greatest OBP. Though I do think he could show he showed more patience in the minors. I think the OBP could tick up. But he'll never be like a big OBP guy. So he's right after Vladdy. So Vladdy was at 9.6. Then Bubby Witt Jr., Rafael Dever, super over a pitcher there. Austin Riley, Bo Bichette, 
Mookie Betts, Manny Machado. That gets you to ADP 20. Massive cluster. So Vladdy was at 9.6, Witt Jr. 10.7. Then you just have this glob at 15, 16, 17 of Devers, Riley, Bichette, and Betts with a pitcher mixed in there as well. But, you know, so that gets us through 20. Let's go through 25 here. So Machado was at ADP 20. And then Mike Trout, just a tick behind him. Pete Alonso right around 21. Michael Harris, 23-ish. We have a couple arms. And then Corbin Carroll is the last hitter within the top 25. I think what's included Gunnar Henderson there is he's right outside it at 26. So I, I was really intrigued to see where Carroll and Henderson would go. And Carroll had a range of 15 to 34. Gunner 16 to 38. So going inside the top 20 in a few drafts each. Was that kind of where you thought those two would end up, you know, ADP right around 25 or so. It's funny because I have them 24 and 25 in my dynasty rankings. There you so go. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny how that works out. And ultimately, like, while we did see a, a good range there of them, you know, Carroll went in the first round at 15, Gunner went 16. You know, ultimately, they end up in those spots exactly where I have them. So they're interesting. It's tough to push prospects up this high, but these are the top two prospects in baseball. So I'm not really surprised by that. At the end of the day, like I think their values could increase. We look at Corbin Carroll, and I see a Trey Turner light type profile. I mean, if all clicks right. Shout out to Jeff Ponce. He was on the pool hitter pod, and he was talking about, he made a prediction that Carroll hits 30 home runs this year. And I love it. Yeah, it's certainly possible. And you won't get that by just looking at, what he did in the majors, but you don't need to because he hit the ball. And yeah, people can say his power played up because he played in the PCL, like the the DB, the Diamondbacks, a double and triple A's hitter friendly environment. Got it. But that doesn't inflate your EVs. And his mat right. is 90th percentile EV in the minors was over 106 miles an hour, which is really stinking good. Average was over 90. He hits the ball hard for a little guy. He has serious pop here and he's got the wheels. He's the fastest player in baseball. The contact skills are there too. Carroll could really move up, and Carroll could be in this tier one argument this time next year if all goes right. And it wouldn't surprise me a bit. Gunner's a different player, but both of them have great plate skills. They don't chase often. Gunner makes a little less contact, but Gunner's got more power, in my opinion. Gunner just has this power stroke. And Gunner did make a swing change last year, ultimately to get to more balls up in the zone, and it paid off. Like, we saw him make more contact last year, which led to his vault up rankings. And I think people are quick to say, oh, he hit the ball on the ground too much. He didn't hit the home run total that we expect. But Gunner is still an elite player. And I think he should be valued as such. I have him back to back. They're very close. And the ADP showed that too. So I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, that's kind of where I, th- I thought they'd go in the 20 to 25 range. I was hoping to get a share of them, but I had a, I think I was actually on the turn. Yeah, I was on, I was on the 15, 16 turn. So I knew I'm like, I either have to take them there, which as, as much as I love both of them, would love to have them. Uh, the, I went, where did I go? Oh, I went Bichette Endeavors on the 15, 16 turn in mine. So obviously I, I knew there was zero chance of them coming back to me. So it all depends on where, where your draft slot is. But yeah, I, I'm totally fine with that ADP. It's kind of, again, kind of what I expected. And 
I'm surprised actually, maybe I'm surprised it was even a little higher, maybe, you know, pushing into like the 20 ish range. Cause yeah, I tweeted about Carol the other day. Like I, I, I'm all, I'm all in both these guys. I've tweeted about both of them this off season, obviously, you know, Gunner had that was one of, you know, only a handful of players. I think it was have a, what was it a hard hit rate over 50% and a barrel rate over 12% and a walk rate over 12% or something like that. I forget the exact metrics I use, but yeah, it was it was him. It was him and only a few other great hitters. So obviously it was a very small sample size, but he's got that, like you mentioned, the power stroke, you know, on base abilities, you know, solid contact skills as well, you know, decent speed. I think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be like a top twenty-five. Yeah, I think he's gonna settle right into like that second round ADP range for a long time and get up into you now we'll see where, you know, I'm still not hundred percent sure if he's gonna be long term shortstop, long term third baseman. I think those are both possibilities at this time. Let's say third baseman. I think he can get right, put himself right in that Devers Riley kind of glob right there in that fifteen to twenty range. Well, Carroll, I think he can definitely. I think he can get top ten, maybe even flirt with top five. Like he's, you know, if you look at prospects right now, he's you know obviously Ellie De La Cruz has the highest I think power speed blend overall, but other prospects that I think I have a legit chance of having a 30-30 year in his career. I can count those in one hand, and Corbin Carroll is definitely one of them. I think the power is for real. Like you mentioned, you can't, doesn't matter where you hit, whether it's, you know, in Reno or you could be up here in Maine for all I care. Like EVs don't change because of where you are. So power's for real. Arizona likes to run. Carroll was already the fastest guy in baseball last year in terms of sprint speed. Yeah. So I'm definitely all in on him. So now I'm trying to, now I'm kind of wishing I did take him at 15, 16. <laughs> But talk uh, yourself into it. Yeah, right. I don't have him ranked over our Devers or Bichette yet. But speaking of like Devers and Riley in that in that kind of tier, both of them had a one draft where they went in the top ten. Like Devers went fourth in one of them. Riley went eighth. That kind of shocked me a little bit there. Yeah, I mean Devers definitely went higher than I expected. The overall ADP kind of balanced it out. Ultimately, they were both. 15, 16 ADP, which is about where I have them overall. And I do have them back to back. I think both are very similar players. Ultimately, they play the same position. They Their numbers are incredibly close over the last two years. And so it's hard yeah. to differentiate between them. I will say for 2023, Riley has the edge just from a run and RBI standpoint. Because the Red Sox lineup just doesn't have the depth that the Braves lineup does. Sorry, Eric, but no, it's you're speaking the truth, my friend. <laughs> you know it's the truth. But long term, I don't think there's much difference here because they're the same age. I think Riley may be a year younger, but very similar outputs from a power and batting average standpoint. We've seen them both do it. I mean, both are shown capable of hitting 300 and hitting 35 plus home runs. So I like them both a lot, and I don't think you can go wrong with either. Ultimately. I will say I was surprised to see him go four. Devers go four, that is. And Riley at eight. It's higher than I want to go, but it's okay. Matt Eddy took him there, and I have a lot of respect for Matt Eddy at Baseball America. He obviously knows his stuff well. He works at Baseball America, so it's one thing. James Anderson also put Riley seventh in his latest Dynasty rank update. So there's the values there. I mean, Riley's 25. He's coming off a season where he hit you know, 38 home runs. He had a 350 OBP. That's coming off season where he hit 300 the year before, and I think he ultimately settles in an average league somewhere between you know 275 and 290. So I'll, I'll say he's like a 280 type hitter, and the OBP is good. So ultimately, like I'm good with either here. 
Riley may have more power. That's the only thing. You know, it's Fenway's harder to hit for lefties than we think. Devers does have big power, but ultimately, like I said, they're very similar. You're splitting hairs, in my opinion. I'm surprised by them going as high four. That's that's higher than I'd go, but overall ADP, like it, I think it's pretty fair. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, so we went through the top 25 ADP there. Let's keep it going. So after, so Carroll was at 24.3, Gunner 26.6. So after them, we go Wander Franco. There we go. There he is, 27.6. Freddie Freeman, 28. Bryce Harper was at 31. He was one that was really intrigued to see where he would fall because I've done a couple of different. I think I, I think I took him in the third. Wait a minute. He pulled my, my team back up here. Did I take him in the third? Maybe I didn't. Okay, no, different one. I've, I'm in so many dynasty mock drafts <laughs> right now. It's hard to keep track of them all, but I, I have gotten him in the third in, in several drafts. So I think he's definitely a great value there. Like, yeah, he's in his half a year. Yeah, he's. I think he's, he, is he 29. Yeah, I don't think he's 30 yet, but he's getting close to it. But I think it's still several more years of elite Harper. So if you can get him in the third round of a dynasty draft, I am 100% for that. Like the dude is still elite, and he's probably going to beat whatever the timetable is. He, I think he's probably going to be on the, the earlier end of that just because he's Bryce Harper. But so he, he went around 30, 31. We had a few arms here. And then Jazz Chisholm at 34. Robert right behind him. Lindor, 37. Adley was the first catcher off the board. No surprise there. But by a pretty, the gap was a little bit bigger than I expected. You had Adley at 37.8, range of 28 to 54. Then you have to drop down nearly 30 spots to Will Smith at 64.5 with a range of 37 to 76. I, I think obviously we knew Adley was going to go one here, but does that gap between the two of them surprise you? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's Adley's like the flashy name, and Adley's going to run elite OBPs. So from that standpoint, I guess it makes sense. I think it's also like undervaluing Will Smith a bit. Adley is 25 years old. Will Smith is 26, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to pull it up and confirm. But it's not like they're that far. Will Smith's 27, so I do apologize. He'll be 28 for opening day. So there is a little age gap. Uh, I'm thinking Will Smith was younger than he was. But so well, three years age gap there. But I don't really think that means a whole lot, ultimately, because he is an, a great source of OBP. He's shown the power. I mean, he's hit 24 and 25 over the last two years, which is excellent for a catcher. Makes great contact. He doesn't chase often. Good OBPs. Like, he's just going to be a guy that runs consistently 350 OBPs with 25 home runs or more. Now, Adley could be someone that pushes like 380 OBP pretty consistently. Like, that wouldn't surprise me a bit. He ran 377 in AAA last year. Small sample, I shouldn't even quote it. But we're looking at 405 in AAA in 2021, 392 in AA in 2021. So the OBP number certainly helps Adley a bit. I would like to see him get some more home run power, which is possible. But I'm not surprised to see Adley go one. The gap, sure. Like Maybe I'm a bit surprised that Adley went 37 and Will Smith went 64 on average. Yes, I think in in OBP especially, I, I can see that gap that was average. I do think Adley's probably going to get Will Smith by you know 20-ish points in average. But I think the OBP is going to be very similar long term. I still probably Adley still has a little bit of the edge there, but it's not a big gap. Like I said, you had two years plays into it. 
But I think the OBPs would be very similar, you know, within 10 points or so of each other. And Will Smith is just really settled in as that really consistent 260-ish hitter, 25 home runs, good amount of counting stats, obviously hitting, you know, in the middle of a always good Dodgers lineup, no matter, you know, maybe it's a little down this year, but it's still a top 10 lineup. Let's not kid ourselves here. But yeah, that, that gap did, did surprise me a little bit here. But OBP, you know, I love Adley. I think Adley was actually appropriately ranked. And I do, I do echo your sentiment that I do think Will Smith was a little under ranked there for sure. All right, keep it going here. After Adley, who was thir- about pick 38 or so, we had Matt Olson. So the rest of the top 50 were ADP were Matt Olson. And Ozzy Albies both around pick 41. P at 43, which actually, obviously, I've been pumping up Vinny P. We both love Vinny P. This is a pro Vinny Pasquantino podcast in every way, shape, and form. I was surprised he actually went 43, though. I thought you'd go maybe, what, 10, 15 spots lower than that. Then you got O'Neill Cruz at 44. Nolan Arenado and Randy and Rosarina both around 46. Goldie at 48. Schwarber at 49 with probably probably the biggest min-max range difference in this top 100. And then two more hitters in the top 50, Corey Seager at 49.5 and 50 on the nose, Eloy Jimenez. Schorber, min-max, 19.85. Man, I, I don't know how I feel, but obviously in OBP, Schorber has more value, obviously. But I still feel like 50 overall is a bit too high. Like, you're paying for what he did last year, and he's kind of been that guy. It's like every other year he's like good, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down. Quality of contact has always been incredibly elite. It's just I don't know if – and plus he's – I think he's 30 now or 31. So it's not, yeah. like, he's, it's not like he's young. I'd say he's only 29, but I think he'll be 30 pretty soon here. But you're paying for that 46 home runs. He randomly stole 10 bags last year. I'm not sure where exactly that came from, but – the hard hit rates over 50% each of the last two years. But, you know, the high K rate, which is 28% for his career, tw- was 29.9 last year. You know, I don't know. I think this is a lot of volatility. And even he only had a 33 OBP. It wasn't like he had a good OBP. So he hit 218, but salvaged it with a 13% walk rate. I don't know. Is, is 50 too high for you? I, I, this is too high for me, for Schorber. Yeah, he's one that I actually struggled a lot to rank in my dynasty rankings and while he is definitely a boost to obp like his obp was 323 you know it was over you know 100 points higher than his batting average but still like he walks a ton but the the obp still not great i will say in 2021 he had a 374 obp but his career is 340 so probably looking at something closer to that so he's tough he's not going to hit 46 home runs again probably doesn't steal 10 bases again either. Like He had combined 12 stolen bases in his career prior to last year, so I don't expect Schwarber to to steal 10 again. I don't expect 46 home runs again, so you're right. You're ultimately paying for what he did last season. I'm curious to know where he landed on the Rasball Play Raider, and it's probably pretty high. Like That season was really, really good. But again, you're paying the price hoping that he does it again. And I'm just not sure there's a guarantee. So in an average league, Schwarber finished 20th on the Rasball Player Raider. So that's pretty good. But let's switch it to OBP. I'm sure he's higher. He was 10th. I'll be top 10th. 10. Yeah, 10th yeah. on OBP. I just can't pay the price, though. Like, I know that the value was there last year. 
but we're not talking about last year anymore. And ultimately, nothing in the data suggests that he, you know, made a massive jump. I mean, the contact skills were very similar. Like he's been about as consistent as you get, like with contact. Like his Z, his Zcon over the last five seasons, 81-2. So like he hasn't changed a bit. His overall contacts over those years, 72, 73, 9, 73, 7, 73, 5, 72, 8. So you know, it's not like he's like really changed as a player. He didn't hit the ball that much harder last year. He did have a career high in plate appearances. So health was a factor. I'm just not sure I can pay a top 50 value. Yeah, no, I'm the. If he was going like, I think I have him rent. Let's see, like, I mean, let me pull up my OBP dynasty rankings here. Let's see exactly where I have him. I know I, I'm going to guess 75 to 80. Let's see if I'm. See how well I know my own rankings here. Oh, let's, I can't even find that. Right there, OBP dynasty rankings. I have so many spreadsheets, as I'm sure you do as well. It's hard to uh, Wait, track of them all. But let's see, OBP dynasty rankings. I have him 77. I was pretty pretty damn close. So, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's going to be 30 pretty damn soon here next month, looks like. So, yeah, I just can't. That's just way too high. Like the volatility, maybe if he was like 26, I could see it. But. 30 years old, volatility up and down. You know, he could easily just, you know, hit 26 home runs and have a, a sub 300 OBP this year. Like the skills are just not there to for him to ever hit for a high average, unfortunately. But the power is great. Obviously, like we mentioned, the quality of contact metrics, but yeah, 50 was definitely a bit surprising for me. Any other, you know, big surprises that, that stand out to you in that top 50 where you just look at the ADP, you're like, whoa, that, uh, that stands out. I mean, Benny P, a little higher than I thought, but I'm not surprised with the hype personally. So, I mean, he went on average of 43, 31 to 58. O'Neill Cruz, I'm not surprised. He had quite a range, though. 29 to 60 is a good little range there. Yep. He may have had the biggest discrepancy outside of Paul Goldschmidt, who averaged you know an ADP of 47.9. But again, Goldschmidt's hard to value because of his age. He's... I mean, 35, maybe 36 this year. Had it probably one of his best seasons of his career last year. But what does he do moving forward? And his range was from 28 to 70. You mentioned Schwarber, 19 to 85. Wide range there. Those are the players that are harder to value and ultimately were probably the bigger surprises, but ultimately not surprised because, you know, hype on some of the names, just the performance on some of the names. So, I'm not surprised there. In a general sense, like Schwarber probably is the biggest surprise in the top 50. But again, OBP, what he did last year, like probably fair. I do think Corey Seager is quite the value at an ADP of 49.5. I mean, he's an OBP monster, and that's only going to rise this year. Like he's going to be a big beneficiary of the shift. He had a career high in home runs last year. So that's nice. And I don't know. I just like Seager's spot a lot there. I do too. I have I have Seager ranked higher in OBP than this. I think I have him 42 in OBP. So yeah, he's definitely yeah all in on the bounce back. You know, I think I think he had one of the higher differentials between you know Woba against the shift and Woba not not against the shift. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. You know, quality context still there, still very good. Approach has always been you know elite. Yeah, definitely, he doesn't steal bags, but hey, elite four category guy. And I think that Texas lineups would be better around him this year too. So 
definitely you know buying a, a bounce back there. So he, he was a I think he's a good value there. All right, let's keep going. So after so we just at the top fifty. Let's go to the next like twenty five spots or so. So at fifty three, we have Marcus Semien, Jordan Walker at fifty four, Bregman. There's a little bit of gap there, and then we have Bregman and Cedric Mullins both around fifty eight. Jose Altuve at 60. You got a few pitchers there. And Will Smith, we mentioned earlier, at 64. Yeah, a few more. There's a lot of pitchers in this range. And then another catcher, JT Rio Muto at 67. Andres Jimenez and Dalton Varsh at 68 and 70, respectively. Brian Reynolds at 74. And then Dansby Swanson at 75. So Jordan Walker. I believe was the third prospect off the board, right? Yeah. So obviously yep. the top two with Carroll and Gunner, and then I, I'm actually surprised that he wasn't top fifty overall. His range was thirty six to seventy one, given you know all the skills, the proximity, the fact that he might actually be on the open day roster, and yeah, you know, I, I think with a lot of St. Louis's top guys playing in the WBC, he's gonna get a lot of plate appearances and if he mashes like let's say let's say that happens and you did this again chris and like you know mid to late march i bet you, you can cut 10 to 12 maybe even 15 spots he'd be probably closer to 40 i can see him jumping up right into like that vinnie p o'neill cruise range given all the all the hype around him already and if he just mashes in spring training it's gonna be out of control so i'm actually surprised that, i guess my biggest surprise of the top 50 was that walker was not in it yeah that's fair. I, I'm fairly confident he makes the team out of spring training unless spring training just doesn't go well. Yeah. So right. if, like you said, if he's mashing and it's like late March and they're like, hey, he's going to make the team, he's going to probably shoot up to like 40 overall, like you said, if not higher, because the potential here is through the roof. Like Julio Rodriguez, like he's quite an athlete for his size like one he's humongous two the way he moves for his size is very impressive the power we know is there and i think he's going to hit for pretty decent average like the contacts there too he's going to play a corner outfield but he's also going to have third base eligibility this year that's pretty significant so walker's one that i think I'm pretty confident that you can draft him in a dynasty and he's going to get a spot. And they're not going to have him on the major league roster to sit on the bench. Like, that ain't happening. So, he's going to play. And I know you can say, well, the Cardinals outfield is stacked. Gotcha, 100%. But at the end of the day, talent just wins out. And I think that we're looking at the last days of Dylan Carlson potentially. I was, I was just about to say that. Like Dylan Carlson, he's uh, he feels Walker's breath on his neck because Walker is coming quickly. Right. So, you know, there's some interesting conversations around this lineup. Like, where do they go? Like, what do they do? Ultimately, I think Dylan Carlson could be the odd man out. I think, in, a, in my opinion, Yepes plays better as a DH than Walker. Like, I can't imagine you bring up your top prospect in in DHM, like Walker is good enough in the outfield to play the outfield. I can say that because we saw it with our own two eyes. We saw him a game in center field and we saw him a game in left field. 
he looked more than serviceable out there. Like maybe not win a gold glove, but I think he's gonna be a solid outfielder. So oh, yeah. I'm interested what they do, but I think he's up. I think he's played on day one. I really do. He's that good. And the Cardinals are out to win. And I think Walker gives him the best chance to win. Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, he's that big body, but he moves so well. He has those long strides. So he can cover a lot of ground in a hurry. And he's just a quick guy in general for his size. So yeah, I am. I love Jordan Walker. I, I tweeted out when I got some slack for this. And I was saying, I think I, I, think I worded it as, I think he's going to be like 95% of what Julio is. And that's probably going to put him. Maybe as a board, I think he could push top 10 overall. Do you see a future where Jordan Walker is a top 10 dynasty player? I think it's definitely within their own possibility. Yeah, 100%. I think that he could be in that range of tier one, like with Carroll. I mean, if all clicks right, the power and speed, you know, he may not steal 20 bases, you know, past, you know, 25, 26 years old, but he's going to do it early in his career and he's ready to do it. So, yeah, he could certainly push to that range. All right. Another question I just thought of. Fast forward five years. Who is ranked higher in Dynasty? Jordan Walker or Gunnar Henderson? I just genuinely think that it's Walker. Because Gunnar has a nice floor, but what Walker can do with the bat just far transcends Gunnar, in my opinion. And... I just think that the rankings are how they are right now because of proximity. But yeah. the reality is the proximity is not that different. Because I think if you buy into the fact that Walker is going to be up on opening day, and I do. So I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be, be close. So yeah. I, I think that Walker does push ahead. And that's kind of why is I, I agree. I think, you know, the higher upside goes to Walker. And I don't think there's a big gap in the floor i think i would give the edge to gunner but not like you know not a massive edge and the fact that yeah gunners will be up on opening day 100 percent, and maybe there's that still maybe not 100 percent up on opening day for walker but i think if he even if he's not it's gonna be very early in the season so that's kind of like why i'm I, wondering i i don't think yeah you know, like i mentioned carol and gunner i think were appropriately you know slotted here but that's why i was like why is walker that low but We'll see. We'll see if that pushes up. I'm sure it will. It's it's only a go up from here. That's that's for sure. All right. Moving on here. Was there any other surprises to you in this range? You know, I think this range was pretty chalk. I think you know, like the Bregman. Bregman obviously pushes up in OBP. Mullins pushes down OBP. I, I th- actually thought Mullins might push down even further for OBP. I have Mullins seventy one. So okay, not terribly, but you know, but around lower than that. But definitely. You know, he loses some value there, doesn't walk a whole ton. Low OBP guy, Bregman, obviously, OBP monster every year. A lot, a lot of pitchers in this range, but moving on to the last 25 of the top 100. So, the last one we just talked about at, was what? Dansby Swanson at 75, right behind him, another shortstop. Xander Bogards at 77. Andrew Vaughn was right around 80. Ellie, actually, Ellie and Andrew Vaughn had the exact same ADP, 80.39. Then you get Jackson Churio, 83. Adelise Garcia, 85. Byron Buxton, 85. Stop. <laughs> Stop. He should be 85 on average. And his OBP is even worse than that. Like, I just, I, <laughs> Chris, like, why? Can you, obviously, Buxton's fun. If we're, if we're doing rankings on just like excitement level and just, you know, how fun each player is to watch, you're probably ranking him top 20, maybe even top 10, given, you know, if you appreciate, 
good center field defense like I do. But it's it's not just the injuries. Yeah, that's the biggest issue. But it's like people are like, oh, yeah, if he stays healthy, he's fine. No, there's a lot of other issues there. Contact rates, strikeout rates, all that. So doesn't run anymore. You know, it's a lot of issues here. I, I saw that when I was you know, glossing over, you know, this ADP. And I was just like, why? I mean, the range is pretty large, 48 to 128. I want to find out who took him 48. I don't have a chat with that person. But I just, I can't do it. Even an average. He's outside my top 100 on average, and even lower than an OBP. I just, I can't do it. Yeah, he's, yeah, I just can't go there and OBP on him. The injuries, just everything. So last year for OBP on the player just hitters, Buxton finished 86, and that's only hitters. So, yeah, I know he only played 382 plate appearances, but that's pretty norm for him. Actually, that was his highest since 2017 plate appearances. So you're just drafting on the chance that he gets 600 by some chance, and I don't know. It's it, I just can't take it. I don't want Buxton on any team at this point for a lot of reasons, but last year, I mean, he almost went below 300 OBP. Yes, he showed good power. He's not running either, so I don't know, man. It's He's just somebody I don't want to deal with at all, like, I'd rather just not rank, so I just rank him so low where I'm not going to get him, basically. Yep. No, same here. It's And he's not, like, super young anymore. He's 29. So, yeah. obviously, that's not old, but at the same time, it's not like we're talking about, like, a 24, 25-year-old guy. We're like, all right, hopefully he can put these issues behind him. Like, it usually doesn't get better when you get when that the first digit of your age ticks over from a 2 to a 3. It doesn't usually get better. So, yeah, I don't know. The not much, you know, sprint speed is still there. He doesn't, he only had six deals last year. Doesn't seem like he wants to run them. I'm sure there's probably some internal talks within Minnesota about him not running a ton. This is, you know, keep him healthy more. You know, you, you've seen that with other teams, but yeah, K rate 30.4 last year, 29.1 for his career. The Walker actually was the highest of his career last year at 8.9%, but for his career, he's been a below average walk rate guy. It was 5.1% the year before that, 1.5 in 2020, albeit in a small sample size. But he's good for some power, but he's a 244 career hitter over eight years. Like At this point, I'm not expecting him to break out and have some monster you know, first-round caliber year. So, yeah, if, if you all want to take him, fine. You know, Better players for me and Chris and everyone else. So, so yeah, so I did, you know, he was at 85, then Jordan Lawler at 88, Nathaniel Lowe, 89, T. Oscar Hernandez at 91, Tommy Edmund, 92, Willie Dames in Correa. So we got a nice little middle infield cluster there around, around pick 92. And then a few arms here. Let me round out the top 100 with Jeremy Pena, Anthony Volpe. A lot of shortstops in the back end of the top 100. George Springer is at 95. And then we got C.S. Suzuki was the last one in the top 100 at 99.5. So big, big shortstop cluster there. I was, I love seeing Lawler push up there. I got, I've gotten him. I have him ranked in like the 70 range. I think he's a guy that's going to be pretty valuable in both OBP and average. He's going to be, you know, high average, high OBP guy. So I'm, I got him ranked a little higher. I actually just got him in a mock draft, dynasty mock draft. I'm in, I don't know, pick 120 something. So I was absolutely ecstatic about that. So, 
Yeah, definitely. Jackson Churio, 83. That's the other one I wanted to bring up here. He had a pretty, well, 63 to 105, pretty wide range. But obviously, he was arguably the biggest kind of buzzy breakout name, you know, over the last two thirds of last season. Were, were you, what are your thoughts on this 83.1 ADP for Churio? You think that's pretty appropriate? Yeah. I mean, him and Ellie are kind of step in step on a lot of things as far as like prospect ranks and even my dynasty ranks, they're back to back. So, this is about the general range, and they kind of went all over the board. We saw Ellie go as high as 45, as low as 102. Churio went as high as 63 and as low as 105. So kind of value across the board. Like no one's quite sure what to do with them, and different strategies are ultimately going to cause you to go different ways on them there. But I think that's fair. I think there's room for growth in that spot. And I don't know. I just struggle taking prospects that are at least a, a year away in the top 100. But if that's your style and that's what you're going for, then I see it as a a good value. Like if you're building a team that can compete in year two, then that's probably a fair spot. I actually took Ellie in mine. Hey, let's, let's bring up our teams real quick here, Chris. Yeah, yeah I, again, I was in League 14 on the turn, the 15 turn. So I went, so 15, 16, the first turn, Bobachet, Rafael Devers, 45, 46. I went Eloy Jimenez. So I was a couple picks above Eloy's ADP. Then I went Zach Gallon at 46. And then at the, what was that, when the 75, 76 turn, I went Ellie Lila Cruz there and Tioscar Hernandez. And then 7, 8 turn, Freddie Peralta and Taylor Ward. Wait, wait, was Taylor Ward not in top 100 ADP? I don't remember saying his name. Where was Taylor Ward? Man, that's good value if he's not. I'd... Where is he? Yeah, he was 114. Ooh, love that. You know, Chris and I both tweeted. Chris and I both have, but everyone's been tweeting about Taylor Ward. Not just Chris and I at this point. But yeah, yeah Taylor Ward at a 114 ADP. I know we're not going to go really at the top 100 here. So you know, if, if you want, again, if you want to go see all these, the full ADP, subscribe to Chris's Substack, Dynasty Dugout. Get this entire list here. Nice broken down list. Min max, you know, obviously positional, all the leagues you can see. So where each player went, but yeah, he definitely should have gone twenty spots. Out. What do I have him? An OBP. I have Taylor Ward. Gotta love Control F. Yeah, I have him eighty five, and I thought it would be him even higher than that. So yeah, one fourteen is an absolute steal on Taylor Ward. Like obviously the, the last year was a roller coaster, up, down, up again. But look at the metrics; they're there. Good, you know, good contact skills, above average, maybe even plus power guy, 30 homer and bat, a little bit of speed, solid enough lineup. He'll be hitting in the middle of it. So, yeah, I'm definitely all in on Taylor Ward this year. So that's great value there. Yeah, I agree. I'd scoop him up there all day long, and I actually did. I got him at 116. How about that? Yeah, so, so I got him at, what was mine? So I've been pick 106. I got him in mine. Yeah. My top 10 was Tatis at five. Harper, God, look at that injury risk there. Tatis, Harper to start. <laughs> it's fun, though. <laughs> I know. Tatis and Harper. Harper was at 26 overall. Lindor at 35 overall. Then I went two arms. Julio Urias and Max Fried at 56-65. Brian Reynolds at 86. Love that. I'm way higher on one than that. Nathaniel Lowe at 95. Taylor Ward at 116. Kyle Manzardo at 125. I found myself getting Manzardo a lot in these dynasty drafts and mocks because I think he's going to be up pretty soon. And raking 
Yeah, I got Nestor Cortez at one forty six. I absolutely love that. So Nestor's so undervalued, man. Yep. I wish I, I got him. Actually, I got him in a different mock draft at like one forty something too. So. Oh, yeah. In my last two, 9, 10, turn, a couple more short stuff. I want Ezekiel Tovar, which I like the value there. And then Tim Anderson went 130. Let's see, nice. that would have been 135, 130. Where was Tim Anderson? Did I see his name in the ADP? I don't think I did. Oh, there he is. He's, oh, he's right around, right behind Taylor Ward at 117. That seems like a good value as well. Yeah. He's in the top 100 in, looks like one, two, three of them. And that was in the 90s. So, Vast majority was in like that one fifteen ish range, you know, even as low as one fifty. I, I I don't understand that. I mean, yeah, not a huge OBP guy, but man, he's he's fallen pretty far like, after having you know obviously last year some injuries and performance wise, but he was very very consistent for a handful of years before that. So I'd definitely be one of that price tag. So I took I took him there, pick one thirty six. I'd be all all over that. Yeah, those are some good values. And somebody next to him that I like that's a good value right now is Reese Hoskins in OBP yep. at 116. People just don't appreciate what Hoskins does, especially at a shallow first base. I mean, dude, he's he's just really, really good for OBP purposes. He's like a 30 home run lock pretty much. So I'd scoop up Hoskins there for sure. But yeah, that back-to-back-to-back that back to back there of Ward, Hoskins, and Anderson, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's a definitely and Tristan Cass is right in that range too. Yep. So and Nestor Cortez, who we're not, obviously not talking about pitchers, but yeah, it's a lot of fun in there. So we're gonna finish up the show here. Now people are probably wondering, you know, we, we talked about some of the prospects. So I just want to recap where the pro- prospects went in this. So first one was Corbin Carroll at twenty four point three, Gunnar Henderson at twenty six point six, then we dropped down to Jordan Walker at fifty four point three. And then a little bit a more of a drop here to Ellie De La Cruz, 80.3. Churio, 83.1. We got Lawler, 89.2. I get, you know, G-Rod went at 90.8. We'll talk about him next episode. Painter at 91.4. And then was that it for top 100, guys? You no, know, it's Volpe. Did you say Volpe? Oh, I, yeah, I was just getting to Volpe at 95.1. I think we're getting somebody though. Let's let's skip over somebody. I think my top prospect rankings. No, we got Walker Ellie. No, okay, so yeah, then that, and that's pretty w- much what I expected. I mean, the other elite prospect where James would go, he went oh one twenty one. So put a bit of a drop, drop down to him too. Josh Young at one seventeen. Miguel Vargas at one oh eight. So a few just outside. Von Grissom. I mean, he could be eligible in some leagues for prospect status. 105 but yeah a lot of this is a lot of fun so thank you chris for putting these on sorry i completely spaced and i thought i signed up that's why there was a 14th league so but a lot, a lot of fun obviously like you mentioned there's a a void with dynasty adp like we have all other adps you know obviously for redraft and, and then welsh does prospect in adp so yeah dynasty adp was absolutely needed so this is i hope this is a you know, a valuable tool for people. It definitely, you know, helps, you know, looking at where guys might fall, get you prepared for your dynasty draft. So again, thank you, Chris, for putting this on. This was a lot of fun. Anything else you want to get in here before we head out of here? No, it's good. A lot of good stuff to talk about. And we'll be back with the uh, pitcher episode next. So a lot of good stuff to cover. Like I said, just go check it out if you'd like. You can see all the top 50 for free. And if you want the full 750 ADP sheet, it's only $7 a month, and that includes a lot of cool stuff, not only the Dynasty ADP, but all my rankings, you know, pretty much daily articles at this point, 
I've got you know rankings for all leagues, and then I'm gonna actually build in this cool dynasty trade calculator. I've built out a three year dynasty projection system, and it's gonna basically like be this like sheet that allows you to like input like who you're trading, who you're trading for, you know, built in some like not just because the hard thing about like doing that is like you just get a dollar value, but also like replacement level value comes into effect. So I gotta figure out how to code all that. I gotta get somebody smarter than me in that sense to help, but I'm hoping that'll be a cool tool that's pretty useful. So I'm trying to build out some cool dynasty tools that are are helpful. So yeah, check it all out. Sub to Eric's Patreon too while you're at it. Toolshed Patreon and uh, support our our work. That's uh, what you can do. And we appreciate all the support so far and I appreciate all those that are even considering it. So thank you for listening and we appreciate each and every one. Can't say it any better myself. Yeah, we definitely appreciate all the support as now, there's been some changes, obviously, you know, both of us, you know, no longer at Fantrax HQ, you know, the podcast sh- shifting over. So it's been a, you know, interesting few months, but yeah, we, we absolutely, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate everyone that supports our work. Like we, we love doing this It's a labor of love. We put, you know, I know I put so much effort into it. I know Chris does as well. Every day we're doing something, updating a ranking, writing an article, recording a podcast, whatever it may be. I have a couple of fun things up my sleeve as well that I'm working on that'll be out soon. Been working, you know, a couple couple different projects. So yeah, that's what we, we aim to do. We do this because we love it and we do it to help out people and help people win their league. So that's that's really yeah. why we do it. So th- again, thank you to everyone for the support. We hope this episode was enjoyable for you. I know it was for, for Chris and I and participating in these was a lot of fun. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. I know Chris and I did. Again, subscribe to Chris's Substack, to my Patreon, and you know, drop a five-star review. You know, we, we always appreciate all of the support. And we'll see you again in a couple of days for the pitcher version of this. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.